0: Jay Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency
1: Interrupted.
0: Grandmaster Carol Baker, how are you, sir? i
1: incredibly well, a lot better than I should be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so for many of those who may be tuning in, may know you, and know who you are, but there's probably a lot nationwide who don't. Um, for me, you are someone who's been in and out of my life, uh, mo- mostly on the fight spectrum. Um, from my days, way back when, when we first started training and didn't know what the hell I was doing. And um, you're a world-class trainer. You've trained multiple people in MMA, boxing, kickboxing, um, karate, full contact. I mean, just to—I mean—in a nutshell, let's just talk about you know how you got into that before we go off into our tangent on okay. each other, I guess.
1: Well, I, um, I was part of a low-income program that Shreveport offered at the Salvation Army Boys Club. Uh, and for a dollar a year, a uh, school bus would pick us up at Claiborne Elementary School and take us downtown to the boys' club. And you could do anything there for that dollar a year. And uh, I, was, <laughs> I was looking for the trampoline room, and there was a girl giving us an orientation to it, it a bunch of kids, you know, I was seven Okay. And uh, this is 1959. Okay. And uh, I said, I have to go to the bathroom. And so I went in when I came out. She said, We'll be in the trampoline room. When, when I came out, there were two doors. Both the words started with a T, and I couldn't spell trampoline. And the other word, I didn't know what it was. And so I opened the door, and it said taekwondo. I found out later. And when I opened the door, there were these six adults dressed in these pajama looking things <laughs> and i'm i'm uh 135 136 pounds i mean i could you cut my arms and legs off and i could roll oh you were, so you're okay I was so you're a fat, fat. kid okay I was a fat kid. <laughs> and uh this is 1959 i'm not endorsing anything that i'm about to share with you but i'd like to share with you how it molded my life there was a a black guy there teaching the class from barksdale air force base <clears throat> Back in the day, uh, blacks rode in the back of the bus, or the trolley, we called it, and the whites rode in the front. Uh, There were some restaurants, blacks were not allowed in, some they had to go in through the back door. And if they saw you, even a kid, I mean, it could be a 70-year-old man who's paid more dues than I'll ever pay, and I'm seven, but instead of saying, how you doing, Carol, it was, how you doing, Mr. Carol? It was always formal. Well, somebody forgot to tell this guy that, okay? And so he, he looks over at me. He said, you're late. Get in line. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, well, I'm late for what? Yeah. So at the end of class, I go through the class with everyone, and he kneels down in front of me. He's bowed up. He's built a lot like you. He's got a big chest and shoulders, and you can tell he definitely trains every day. And he kneels down in front of me, DJ, and he said, son, you have so much potential And it changed my perspective of who I was and who I wanted to become. Now, it was a matter of what dues I was willing to pay to become that person. And changed my position racially. He paid me a compliment. Right. And he talked to me on the same level. And years passed and... I'm seven at the time now. Fast forward, we moved to Natchitoches, Louisiana. There's no martial arts school, but I had a classmate who was in judo. And so we would go out by the baseball diamond. We'd work on judo. We had two recesses, one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and we had a lunch break.
0: Okay. And what when, year was this? This
1: was, let's see, 62. Okay, so three years in. Yeah. And... Um, so we're there for two years, and that's all. I was work on my, my boxing and my, my the few kicks that I had learned from this gentleman, who was not, by the way, qualified to teach, but he loved teaching and he loved people. And uh, whether you believe in angels or not, he was put in my life and made a difference in my life. Right. So, uh, and I and I believe that people happen. Whether and and I'm going to use this loosely because I don't want to offend any of your listeners, but you know some people tell you know God puts people in your life or circumstances in your life, and that's how I looked at it. Mm-hmm. And um, I just kept training and and came back, and then I got with General Pat Harrington, uh, who his wife and he went with my mom and dad to elope. <laughs> you know, so they and so uh, Pat Harrington was a. a local boxer. He boxed with Irish McNeil back when Irish McNeil was a young man. They were about the same age. And uh, he was the um, cruiserweight Golden Glove champion. He's an amateur boxer. 5'7", uh, 190, and no neck. You know, traps. His, ear, <laughs> his earlobes rested on his traps. Yeah, um, Kind of had little man syndrome to a degree. Um, had... Hundreds of college hours, but he didn't study for a doctoral dissertation or anything. He just he loved learning, and so I stayed with him and got to work with uh, Master Takayuki Kami through him. Uh, Gichin Funakoshi is accredited with founding Shotokan Karate. Okay, okay. His son Gichin also Funakoshi, and then there was Takayuki Kami. So I got to study with third generation of the the rock of the the entire thing. And Shotokan is a very interesting tale, how it came to be, uh, and we'll do that another time, because it's a, a long story. <laughs> okay. But it's, uh, it's very fascinating, because Shotokan was never intended to be a, a style. Shotokan means house of or way of the leaning pine, and Shoto was Kishin Funakoshi's pin name. He was a, an author of Chinese character, and long story. Anyway, it's very interesting how it came to be. And uh, so I continued that, and then along the way I met some Koreans and um, got selected to train under Master Jun He song, who was the guy. He was out of Atlanta. I used to drive weekends uh, one way thirteen, thirteen and a half hours to Peachtree Drive in Atlanta, which is Peachtree is the, gotta be one of the longest streets in the world. I <laughs> and uh, his wife had a little dress shop uh, in a shopping center where she actually spun uh, the silk. Had silkworms and the whole building. And, and so the, you, when you walked down some steps, there's barely enough room if you had broad shoulders at all to fit down the steps. You'd walk in this room and there's um, this white wall, pristine white wall. And I looked at it and I realized it was not a wall at all. It was a curtain, but very, very thick. And you push the curtain back. And there's the dojang, or the dojo, or the kwan, whatever you want to call it. And it was super cool, white bags and uh, mats. And it was just, it was like a Bruce Lee movie, you know, come alive. But this was before Bruce Lee. And um, he had this big vase that was uh, black. And in the vase were these white stones that were real smooth. And that's where he drove his hand in, his spear and thrust to condition his fingers. Okay. And uh, he's the only person I've ever seen that could take a glass. They used to have a six-ounce glass Coke bottle, and he could, what's called a suto, or a suto, knife-hand strike, and he could chop the top of the bottle, break the glass. I've never seen anybody That's do insane. this. I, I never could That's do that. insane it. to think about now. And uh, so I got it really involved, and I started studying Korean medicine and l- working with the monks and the grandmasters so that I could Fighting never really interested me that much from a sport concept. Uh, I knew what I was capable of on the street, and that was enough, because back then MMA didn't exist. Right. And uh, Muay Thai hadn't really hit here well, so it was just kickboxing. But people had, you know, fast forward five years, and all of a sudden the Bruce Lee movies are out, so they believe... You know, oh, if you do that, you kick somebody one time, they're going to die. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> not the case. Uh, so you couldn't get insurance for kickboxing. At the time, the only place we knew of was in Denver allowed it, and then Atlanta. But it was if you you had to prove neglect to get a claim. So somebody broke your nose, if you got it broken in the fight, you knew what you're stepping in the ring for. So uh, okay. Don't That's mind. Right. Yeah. But if it's neglect, if you trip and break your nose because the steps are fa- faulty. That's a different thing. So I um, started in 59 and later became with the International Taekwondo Association. I was the highest ranking you know, Caucasian in the world and uh, trained, as you mentioned, 20 national and world champions from various combat sports. And uh, I guess the most talented person I ever had was a guy named Robert Mongoose Visitation and Robert was named kickboxer of the decade for the 1980s, which was the most turbulent. Those were the best fighters in the world. That was yeah, Johnny Sterio, Bill yes. Wallace, all the guys. And, and uh, Robert was a super talent. And uh, he his career just by from observation launched uh, people like Keith Bass and uh, Donnie Aaron and Ricky Hutchinson. And these guys went on to win national and world titles. And, of course, Charlton Young was the predecessor to even Robert. And I've just been so blessed to have—I've always said I'm the most blessed martial arts instructor that ever lived. You know, I've gotten to spend time with you. I've spent time with uh, Donnie Aaron and, and Danger, and, uh, and I'm still currently working with primetime Tony Kelly, who is just my heart. Yes. And uh, Andrea KGB Lee, who—not biologically, but she's my granddaughter. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, I, they're my family. And um, and I'm involved in the UFC and and, and through them and it's uh, I, I was through you know I'm 70 years old I was going to retire I'd been retired for seven or eight years I was just working with people who had problems that didn't have money or didn't have insurance but they needed help whether it was addiction or attempted suicide or just a criminal background I just didn't, I didn't want them to think that's all life had to offer one of the saddest things in the world to me dj is a young person without a dream if you don't have a dream what have you got
0: yeah and i mean that's that's something that you see every day yeah. you know someone yeah. lost i mean and you're not i mean here's the thing it's it's different to decide what your future is going to be at uh, you know in your middle teens versus not having anything to look forward to at all or not shooting for something right Right.
1: and you know I, i've used you um when I'm talking to people, because you you've always been that overachiever. You know, you're going to go to college. You're going to you're going to fight. I mean, you stepped in a cage or a ring 15 times yourself. You know, as yeah. from a boxing MMA, you did your thing. But you're always at the gym. You always had goals. You've got a tremendous company uh, that does really good work, and then you have your podcast, and you've got this incredible family. Now, uh, you're just one of those guys that. You don't know what it's like to not have a dream. Yeah. And you grew up, you knew you had a single mom. Yeah. You had every opportunity to fail.
0: Yeah. That's, yeah, that's something that's interesting because I really never, I don't really think I ever had a dream. Like you said, it it hits home because I really don't think I ever had a dream. I just started becoming passionate with things, but I really didn't start becoming passionate with things until I was, i i wasn't aware of it until i was later you know yeah, later in life like certainly. you know it's in my you know or later or early adulthood you know when, when i met you i was probably 18 or 19 years old yeah. and i you know had seen ufc on tv and i was like this is cool and i kept i was in the oil field at the time and i'd just yes. been in the oil field for probably two years and i was driving back and forth passing this gym up which was karate mafia yeah. you know where i met you and where all those people came from that we, right. we have you know in our life um and I kept passing by it, and I was like, I'm going to stop in there. Because I was just lifting weights and drinking beer and hanging out, you know, doing the thing, <laughs> and getting to, uh, too many bar fights and dumb, doing dumb shit. And I <laughs> I stopped in there one day, and I walked in. I was like, I want to do this. And I just remember I was probably, shit, man, I was probably 220 pounds and wasn't built as near as well as I am now because I wasn't dieting properly. Right. I wasn't doing the proper things that, that my body was able to do. And um, I just remember walking in, and Donnie saying – Right, right, let's go, you're going to fight at 185. And I just looked at him like he was crazy. <laughs> I was like, man, yeah. I, mean, I haven't been at 185 in five years, you know. It's just crazy. But then, And then it just snowballed into all this, you know, all these people that I've come in contact with over the years, including, you know, you being, you know, the most prevalent one, I feel like, because everyone has come, just come to pass with you and you've had some kind of dealing in their life, you know, whether it be, you know, just coaching them through you know emotional hard times or physically training them or whatever it may be i mean i remember a seminar we had you may not remember this um and you might but i'm sure you've done a light a lot but we've we had a seminar one time in the gym and it was probably a few years into training but we were all there and i remember it was around christmas time and we all just sit down and connected you know yeah. and i don't think we'd ever done that as a team like you know we connected spiritually i feel like yeah. and um and I always tell people, we—I have this conversation with people. It's kind of like a fight team is similar to like those war veterans that never really had a family, but then they become a family, and it's like you can never separate that bond. Absolutely, you know, when you lose one of them, you all come back together, and that's what brought me back into the game. You know, had we not lost Jeremy Moore, which you know was an amazing human being it's one of the best guys I have ever known it wouldn't have brought me back into it because I feel like it did because I was so far away from it and then it brought me back in and now just it's everywhere now you know yeah.
1: well Jeremy was and should be remembered so I'm glad you brought his name yeah. up
0: he's a tremendous fighter too yes he's an amazing
1: fighter but just a wonderful
0: horrible nickname he had the worst nickname <laughs> the Badger <laughs> but I love him to death man he was awesome he, he was awesome
1: he didn't once he started he didn't stop
0: yeah he would be we would trade in because I feel like some days I'd come in and he'd have to work offshore or, or off and he was on the oil field too and he'd be like hey man so-and-so's talking shit. You need to spar them. i got to leave. <laughs> I just remember those were like – I
1: was like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, you were his hitman, sort of. <laughs> yeah. No,
0: we just – we played off each other yeah. well. You know, we were both kind of like – we didn't have 100% time to, to devote to it because we had careers and – You know, but we wanted yeah. to be a part of it. And he was, you know, much better fighter than I was, but just a great teammate yeah. as well as everyone else there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, good daddy, good husband. Everything. Yes. But, uh, uh, you know, we've lost – you know I've seen so many you know die over the years and, and uh, why I've been spared, I don't I can't really tell you. I guess my job's not done yet. Yeah. but uh, to go back to what you said earlier, the karate mafia,
0: yeah
1: anybody that's done anything that has a victorious pedigree with them. I mean, there have been people that have gone places but they didn't win anything. And, uh, but you have people. You, know, you have Danger matchnell You have Tony Kelly. You have Andrea Lee. You had Donnie Aaron there. You know, and uh, it needs to be remembered. Yeah, uh, it's it's uh, there was so much potential there by the leadership that just was never recognized, and it's it saddens me because it, the people that we're talking about could have been, would have been, should have been. Uh, these wonderful things and uh, and I still to this day, if they ever want to come back and and live the life of a martial artist, I welcome them with open arms and uh, I still pray for them. but uh, when i when I think about karate mafia, it's uh, there was always blood, there was always sweat, there are always tears, and they, you know just it was a real Place it yeah. was it was it was as real it didn't have a name like some of the MMA places had but there was no gym better educated than that gym and I liked it because while it had you guys were all the tough guys but martial arts was never intended to be thuggish or
0: punk. Oh, and we were definitely the outlaws. <laughs>
1: And but by the same token, y'all were also respectful. Yeah, yeah. You respected the martial art as yeah. as an entity, as a lifestyle. Because like you said, that's how we became a family. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more important than family. And this is something you you live by. You know, I will at my age today, I will still fight for my family. I will die for my family. And if if push comes to shove, I will take a life away from someone from my family. And I, I do not apologize for that.
0: No, I have the same creed. You know, it's it's I know it sounds um it may sound, you know, a bit uh Neanderthalish to some people, but it just is, you know, it is who we are. You well, know what if, I mean?
1: If they're not what we are, if they're not as dedicated right. and right. loyal, they don't get it.
0: Right. And I think that um, you know, and that's another thing, it's like when you have something like that Anytime you have, like... So you have, like, rival fight camps that, that hate each other. It's, it's almost worse than, like, having a damn ex-wife. You know, it's like... Because <laughs> yeah. their hate's always there. But I feel like with rival, like, rival fight teams, it's worse between those two. You know
1: what I mean? <laughs> well, it bleeds over. it's not in the cage of the ring or the man. It's yeah. just to see each other out at a restaurant. Yeah. You know, but it... um we don't have a lot of that anymore. No,
0: either. we don't. But I just remember growing up in it. <laughs> oh yeah, we
1: had it was it bad.
0: Up. It was bad, you know, because I think that we didn't have the channels early on to fight outside of an area. So it was everyone fighting everyone, you know? Yeah. And it was just like, you know, the rival teams fighting each other and there was there was no growth because the platform wasn't there now. But you know it's different you know, it's different now, like you have your daughter who we haven't brought up yet, but she's right. amazing and you know, She's created uh, you know a platform that's feeding fighters into you know these bigger promotions yes. and it's amazing that's finally happening for these fighters in this area. so I want to definitely talk about that and not forget to mention that because it's super important to me because I've seen so many amazing fighters crash and burn because inability to promote themselves, inability to market themselves um, not knowing what to do, where to go, where to train and not having the platform to advance to their potential right. and then quickly having something take their eye off the ball and maybe they go the wrong path. Exactly. And we've seen that with a lot of people in our fight, you know, in our, in our past. And it's something that's, that frustrates me. But, you know, what Amber's doing now is just amazing, you know, as far as growing something like that and, and giving back to that community that I remember coming up in that was just like, shit, we can never get out of here. We're just right here all fighting <laughs> each other all the time.
1: Well, she... Uh Sometimes you get things in your life that are just too big for an adjective, and that's what my daughter is to yeah. me. She's one of only two female MMA promoters. She also promotes Showtime Boxing. Yeah, um, and she has she's so good. But you're part of that team. you yep. know, you're, you're, you're an intricate part of that team. So you guys, as a as a team, as a family under yourself, have given opportunity to people. You know, I think about Lauren Thibodeau and some other guys yeah. around here. You know, they're really talented. They could go do some things. And uh, Tony Kelly's fought for yes. her. Um, um,
0: there's been, I mean, there's has the young been s- from
1: Marshall. Oh, uh, that's so good. Oh, Derek Krantz. Derek yeah. Krantz. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I had a senior yeah. moment, Derek. I hey, there's,
0: there's so many names. I mean, there's so many. Derek is, I mean, he's
1: just, he's just a world-class guy, yeah. you know. And then, uh just to watch what she's done has just been and she did it. a lot of people think well she did it on your name absolutely not my daughter did this deliberately without me so she could say she did it the only thing that i helped in was getting her license i, I told the commissioner she had the green light from me so right. that's, and uh it's, it's hard to believe that i still have any clout at all after all these decades you know but uh <laughs> But to go to her fights, they run, I've, I, you know, I've been a part of the UFC fights. They run every bit as smoothly as the UFC fights did.
0: That was another question I was going to bring up because I haven't talked to it about any of the, you know, our fighters has been on because it hadn't been brought up. But, it, you know, I mean, that's that's another thing. It's like a small promotion, it, you know, feeding into something or trying to create something with a lower budget in an area that's not as, you know, high volume with a lot of, you know, more talent and a lot of sponsorship, it makes it extremely hard. So it's an uphill battle. And that's been always anything in this area, East Texas, North Louisiana, South Arkansas, Mississippi – it's like there's been a pool of amazing fighters. I mean, we've named a bunch already, and there's been it's been so hard to get over that hump, and you know now it's here. So it's just it's something I you know I just you know and we can move on to something else. But I just did not want to get off this show without mentioning that because I, I feel like I'm proud of I'm proud to know you. I'm proud to know her, and I'm I'm really thankful that to be involved with this. But it's awesome to see something finally happening in this area and promoting and, you know, feeding people to in directing people where they need to go, right. you know, instead so of them getting lost in transition. Well,
1: y'all just picked up a new casino in yeah. Marksville
0: or Shows something. Shows January 28th, I believe. Yeah, January 28th coming up.
1: That's going to be a good show from yeah. what I hear. Well, I'm, I'm, my daughter and my son-in-law are just uh, remarkable people. Uh, you know, John is. If, yeah, if, if I guy. could sit in the throne room with God and design my son-in-law, I wouldn't change an eyelash. On <laughs> he's that a great man. guy, man. He's he, awesome. I love him. He's Good awesome. Good provider for my grandkids and my daughter, and and she can hold her own too. But but there's just been so much, DJ, and and I know your guests are your your focal point. But I wish your listeners could spend time with you. You've been. Uh, I know we try to stay away from politics and religion, and I don't, I'm not trying to be religious. But no, it's fine. I mean, but uh, you've been just such a blessing. You know, I, you're, this is the kind of guy DJ is for you guys that are listening and have never met him. If it's two o'clock in the morning and I have a flat tire, if I call DJ, I don't care where he is, he's got my back.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, I, more than likely, <laughs> if I, unless I don't hear it. But yeah, if I'm if I'm awake, we'll damn sure figure it out. But
1: he's. Uh, He's that guy, and, and I would do the same for him or his wife or his family. Um, he's just a very dedicated individual. And this show, this podcast, he's bringing to you because not only for the guests, but he wants you, the listeners, to have subject matter that's interesting. So he has an array of of topics and guests and i think you have tony coming on soon don't yeah
0: you? I, I just need to get with him we need to line up a date but yeah tony's coming on soon i just had to let him get his win in and out the way and celebrate we'll yeah. <laughs> get in here well, i don't want to i don't want to mess with that uh you know i don't like that pre-fight yeah i like to get it afterwards so i don't you know no distractions i uh, understand this is a I,
1: i've been a fan of yours for so long as a young man I'm watching you grow in to be who you are today i'm so very proud oh, of man. you
0: man I appreciate it because that means a lot coming for you I, I don't I mean I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing in life but I think we all are you know I, I think I tiptoed on, in a lot of things but there's been so many people that we mutually have, have in our life that I just think are doing amazing things and I'm yes. just proud to be a part of any of it you yeah. know what I mean
1: me too I, that's how I feel I, I get to still teach you know Andrea and Tony's uh kicks have come such a long way and they're balanced and they're striking. I don't know if you saw Andreas, I'm sure you saw Andreas oh, yes. fight, oh, yes. but those teep kicks, you know, the solar plexus drove the hands down and then the poor girl ended up. you know, she <laughs> she walked out of the cage but was carried out of the building on a gurney. You know, Andrea really did a number on her. And, and whoever Andrea fights, that's going to be the same result. And Tony, the first, they were talking about Tony's fight when he fought Randy. He's a wonderful human being. Randy Costa is just a great guy. Uh, and I want him, I hope all of his dreams come true. He needs to be a model or a soapbox, I mean, soap opera star. He was a good-looking kid, got a million-dollar smile. But first time Tony kicked his hand, even, he he didn't take a step forward. Um mm-hmm. uh, so there we really spent we did thousands and thousands of kicks in this last And
0: game. that's another thing I wanted to bring up. We talked about it briefly last time I saw you, but like but this is way before the fight, but it's like Andrew and Tony are such amazing fighters and Andrew has always been able to bang, but Tony can crack and like I remember sparring Tony and I was a good seventy pounds bigger than him and he would whoop my ass. And <laughs> and taking that taking all that skill and, you know, power and then, you know, just fine tuning it and then putting in the the martial arts into it, and you know, and not only making it effective but beautiful at the same time. I just, I think it's amazing what y'all are doing.
1: Well, thank you. He's—I uh, don't know if you saw—he missed with a spinning hook kick, but yeah. if he'd have landed, it, it would have been yes. the end yeah. of everything. Well, Tony has come to me, and this is—I love Tony Kelly, and 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 uh, Tony marches to his own drum. Uh, and he plays his own music and he writes his own lyrics. And i love that. And he stands by what he does and he backs. If he's wrong, he says, You know what? I may be wrong on this, but I'm standing up. And, uh, if he, but he, I've not seen him be wrong yet. He's always been right. But he came to me and said, I don't want to just be a fighter. I want to be a throwback. I want to go back to the samurai. I want to go back to that mentality, the watering warrior. I want to go back to, I want to bring that old school. Mentality and, and respect and dignity and honor. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, I've been teaching him meditation and guided imagery. I've been teaching him history. Uh, I've been working with him on uh, outside of the cage body language and posture and verbiage and conducting interviews and uh, elevating him to the level he needs to be. Andrea... Um, Kind of fell into the same thing, but she kind of follows Tony's lead. And because she was originally came up as a black belt, right? You know, and uh, with the Masayama system, and uh, and Tony too. Mm-hmm. But she has become more traditional now than I ever thought she was. She's phenomenal to watch. I mean, her technique's like watching dance. Tony even said that when she was doing a we did a, about an eight kick combination coming across the floor, and Tony's that was like watching a ballet dancer, mm-hmm. and I couldn't have put it more descriptively myself and it was absolutely gorgeous i had i put a dime on the floor and i said your your heel has to start on this dime and you have to do jump spinning kick and your heel has to land on the dime and we did it until she got it so she was that thorough that's yeah, so that's, that's, that's I was amazing talking. and we we went in i went in with some physicians and some nurse practitioners and some uh, uh pas and some physical therapists and i came up in taekwondo and korean yudo and, and the strikers have always been on this side of the fence, and the rappers have always been on this side of the fence. And you can't say one's better than the other. It's up to the individual, and it's up to what's presented before you. But there was never—you got rank in judo or yudo or jiu-jitsu, and you got rank in taekwondo or shodokan or kung fu. But over the last 40 years, I've been cultivating a thing through the International Taekwondo Association, which they would not allow. It's where I merged the taekwondo kicks— with the Muay Thai elbows and boxing hands along with basic 25 of the throws. When you go to Kodokan in Japan and you test, there are 100 techniques you have to display. So I've narrowed that down. At first it was Jiu-Jitsu, and then Dr. Kano came in, and he, uh, by Jujitsu practitioners' philosophies, he cheapened Jujitsu because he narrowed it down. That, he was a Jiu-Jitsu guy as well, but in his mind he was making it more effective, more efficient, with less. Um, So what we've done is we've taken those two worlds and we've merged it into a ranking system where you have to be able to grapple at this level and strike at this level and then merge the two together. And it's called American Martial Arts and Sciences because I'm teaching not only the technique but the applied kinesiology. Kinesiology is the function of a muscle. Applied kinesiology is the application of that function. What do you do? Where's the fast twitch fiber? And so you break down the anatomical chart along with the psychological and sociological aspects of what's going on, and you're teaching the whole person. Um, Master Song uh, was killed in a car wreck two years ago, uh, but he, before, when, when I was his student, I'll always be his student. To this day, I want to say this, to this day, every morning, I have my morning prayer and meditation and then i get up from that and i bow into him every single day It's part of my prayer to be a better man today than i was yesterday to keep him alive but he used to say in his broken korean so forgive my impersonation Herman. you know in the rife is like a baseball in a baseball you go two out of three at the bait at the plate you have a pretty good day but in the rife. Two out of three, not so good. Your mind, your body, or your spirit has to be one. Wherever you are weak, you create weakness everywhere. And the system that we've come up with applauds the grapplers, but let me let us teach you striking. It applauds the right, strikers. Yeah. Let's teach you the grappling. Yes. Of course, we have Wayne Knutson, Professor Wayne Knutson. I don't know if how well you know him.
0: I don't know him well, but I know he's an uh, he's an amazing jujitsu artist, oh, man. And, and I know he has an amazing school and he has a bunch of great students. I just I've mean, I met him in passing numerous times at the fights, and you know.
1: Well, he's he's uh, he and I have become really close. Yeah, surprisingly, because uh, uh, I'm so much older. I say surprisingly because I'm now I'm older than his way older than his dad. <laughs> but uh, he's he technically very very proficient. But his ability to communicate with his students—what I've noticed—he makes if there's 200 people on the mat, he makes each individual student feel like they're the only person in the room.
0: That's—I'm uh-huh. glad you said that because it's exactly what you do. Um, I remember vividly um you coming up to me and giving me praise and I was like man I suck you know compared to all these guys in here but you were you you highlight everyone's strengths and you like where most coaches or most you know anyone who's especially in a gym you're you're so focused on fixing someone's weaknesses that you give them absolutely no praise for what they are good at but I, you know, I remember saying, "Well, you have a really good hook. You just need to do this." You know, you have really good leg kicks, but you need to work on your stretching because you know, you know, whatever we need to turn those into head kicks, things like that. And I just remember saying, "Shit!" Well, I'm just in here kicking my getting my own ass kicked every day. But I, I, I remember, you know, seeing you coming in the gym and highlighting individuals specifically on their strengths, yeah. and then you know, and then able to work in on their weaknesses in other ways. And I think that's something that's very, very rare. In this art form, in this world, you know, because it's just always what's wrong, we got to fix it, not what's right, let's play on that too, you know. Oh, that's
1: exactly. I use the the positive aspect of the technique as a springboard to segue into the criticism uh, without being critical. It's yeah. more critiquing.
0: Well, I think that's something amazing too, that, you know, not only in, you know, into in not, I, we, we're going to talk about martial arts, guys. I'm sorry if you get bored, you know, for the people that may not be interested, but not only in just, you know, specific, you know, specified, you know, solo sport, you know, applications, but in life. You know what I mean? Having a mentor that can build you up and play on your strengths, all the while trying to help you focus on fixing your weaknesses as well, something that's extremely rare.
1: A lot of people don't understand. The words martial art means the art of war. The war is not between two people. And the battleground is not in the physical. The war is inside each of us to be the best we can be. And the more accomplished we become, the more humble and appreciative we should be. And by doing that, you negate 99% of the confrontations because you don't feel like you have to prove. And don't get me wrong. There's been times I've felt like I had to lay hands on somebody now and pray for him later. Yeah. You know, and, and I don't apologize for that. But uh The vast majority of times I try to do the other. Uh, The battleground is in our mind and in our hearts. When our mind and hearts come together, the physical is quite easy. Yeah, it's very easy. And and believe it or not, we have more things in common with people than we have in disarray with them. So when I I address, uh, I was in the bottoms talking to a bunch of Uh, Black guys, uh, and I was the only white guy around, and there's some big guys, you know, and you could tell they'd paid some dues in life. You know, they were, you could look in their eyes and see they were angry and hurt. Right. But when I changed the subject to their grandmother, Everyone softened.
0: That's amazing. I'm so glad you said that. Um, yes, that's a very good point. That's a, that's something I was supposed to, I, I brought this up before podcast, but I'm going to mention this because holy shit, like I, I feel so connected right now. I was trying to figure out how I can relate to, I was going to speak to a bunch of prisoners this morning. I haven't been in prison. I've done a lot of fucked up shit, but I never got, you know, I've, I've gotten away with it or I got moved past it or whatever. I have a past life. Um, And I was going to speak to these Um, that's since been postponed because of the COVID precautions we're having right now. But my, my first thought was, and I mentioned this briefly to you, is how do I connect with these people? Um, I'm not in prison. I don't know what it's like to be in prison. I can't, you know, I couldn't imagine being in a cell by myself. I would go fucking insane because I can't sit still, <laughs> first off. But secondly, I'm like, but I have been through hard times. Um, I can relate to them. And, you know, growing up, you know, less fortunate. And then I started thinking, I was like, well, one of my questions, and when I do have this talk with them, I'm sure there's it can't be recorded or anything, but this will be preface to that as I was going to bring up, I was thinking, well, how do I relate to these people? I was going to bring up those things. I also was going to bring up, what do you think about? What is your first thought whenever you think joy? And most of the time it's a family member of loved one.
1: Absolutely. No matter
0: who you are, no matter who you are, there's someone typically in your life that no matter what you can flip the script and just bring full emotion to someone and i said well that's going to be my starting point because we all have loved ones we all have people we care about no matter what your background is no matter how much of a badass you are on the streets grandma still kick your ass, that's you know what I mean? Right. That's right. <laughs> but I'm so glad you said that because I was like, holy shit, that's amazing that I'm, I'm just glad I'm, I'm a fraction of a wavelength of what you're talking about, of where I was trying to figure out where I was going to generate a message to those individuals. You
1: need to be sure and rebook that.
0: Day. Yeah, no, I. I no, we're working on it. We are just got to, once these COVID Good. precautions, but i I'm just, go on. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. That's you why this is called Frequency interrupt.
1: Interrupted because I'm bad about interrupting people. <laughs> no, I, you didn't interrupt. I wanted, because I wanted to, I wanted to get to that today. Yeah. And because you did mention it earlier. And um, I wish everybody that listens to your podcast could meet you because this is that's what I was speaking to earlier. That's what I was addressing earlier. That's who you are. Anybody. I'm telling you straight to your face. I've said it behind your back more times. than I can count any daddy, including me. Well, and I've told you this, would love to have you as a son. Well,
0: I appreciate I
1: mean, that. you're just, you're that guy. Yeah. And if you can't be the son, marry my daughter, please. Yeah,
0: you I know? just, I man, I'm just trying to be the best you can be and I can be. You,
1: you are. know what I mean? And,
0: and play on my strengths. Well, I'm so proud of <laughs> no, you. No, I think you, you appreciate that. Dad. And uh,
1: the, the, to to address continued with what we we're just talking about, the grandmother situation, yeah. you have been instrumental in, in, uh, motivating me, I've started. I'm going to start my own podcast in oh, February.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah!
1: And it's based on patients that I've treated. When someone comes to me for help uh, in rehabilitation or psych or whatever, um, I'm a doctor of holistic medicine integrative practices and I have a PhD in philosophy with an emphasis on spiritual wellness and. Uh, I used, I, they were never referred to as a patient. That gives them permission to be sick. They were never referred to as a client. It sounds like I'm trying to sell them an insurance policy. Yeah. They're referred to as a student. I'm going to teach them how to overcome this obstacle. And then from that growth they're going to blossom further as a human being and be a better person. And uh, I think the fifth or sixth podcast I have, that I'm going to be doing is, is called Grandma. It's about a, an inner-city kid uh he was horrible. I mean, there's no way around it. He was a cute kid, you know, 16 years yeah. old, good looking kid, great personality. But he just, if it was something to be done wrong, he was going to do it. You know, he was going to break a car window just because. Yeah. It, it, and uh, I'll never forget, uh, and it's in the podcast, it's a poem that as I write poems or stories or songs about the people that I've treated.
0: Yeah, you share those, some of those with me, and yeah. I'm honored just to hear those. And I can't wait to hear you lay Thank all you. that out.
1: I'm excited. But I uh, he, he stole a line from the kid. He said, you know, I, I never knew my dad. And Grandma says that uh, the needle took my mom away. She tells me she's in heaven, but I really can't say. And I thought, holy mackerel, that's a freaking number one song. Yeah. you know." But I turned it into a poem. And it's about, about his grandma and how he... He would come in at two o'clock in the morning, and she would still be on her knees beside the bed praying until he got home that he would get home safely. And he said, "How many tears does she have to cry before I wake up?" I said, "Well, your mom's gone. Your dad's probably gone. You want to bury her?" And from that, we grew into an outstanding young man. Yeah. And and there are just so many different stories and some are about addiction some are about suicide you know i lost my oldest daughter to suicide
0: yeah and if you want to share that story that i'd be honored you know that's just wherever you're comfortable with i just you know amber
1: amber had a big sister uh named brandy uh, brandy was incredibly intelligent a very gifted uh just different gifts of the spirit that would be hard to describe and um she had a little boy uh, named connor and uh for some reason, I, I don't know why, she just decided she didn't want to live anymore. And uh, I got a phone call. I was in a recording studio laying tracks down, and, and uh, my younger daughter called and said, Amber called and said, Dad, Brandy's dead. And DJ, I, I walked outside to get a breath of fresh air. I've been shot, I've been stabbed. You know, I mean, I, I've been there too. And... Uh, I've never been gutted. Right. You know, I mean, I've I've taken some shots, but I've never been gutted. I got gutted. I dropped down to one knee, and I remember saying, God, I, I want to thank you for 25 years, six months, and 17 days. How I knew that was the exact time of her life, I don't know, uh, for letting me have my daughter, because I found out what I've read about unconditional love. Now, you know me, God, and I'm a fighter, and I find resolve and answers in the finality of that. So I'm thanking you right now, and I'm asking you to forgive me, because in the, in the, over the next couple of days, I'm going to get really mad at you. And I'm going to challenge you to a fist fight, so please disregard that. Yeah. I don't think I'd win. You know, so <laughs> that'd be my first loss, and yeah. I don't want to go that way. Uh, but it was a tough time. But her son, Connor, who just left uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, uh, is married to Nikki. Nikki won TBAs. Okay. And uh, she's uh, my granddaughter. She yeah. won the Muay Thai yeah. thing. She had one win by unanimous decision, one win by knockout in the tournament. And uh, I love her just as she's my own blood, but uh, he graduated nursing school a year ago last month. Uh, he's got one more year, I think, of practicing as a nurse. And he's going to be a nurse practitioner like my wife, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. Uh, his mother would be so proud of him. And thank you for letting me talk about Brandon. Yeah, of course. I uh, know. She was uh, quite a young lady. And uh, to say I miss her would be a gross understatement. So what I do, to play back into what we talked about earlier Mm -hmm. about finding the good points, let's go back to you, the day I started your critiquing with a compliment. Yeah. I couldn't give Brandy that day what I wanted to give her, DJ. So I gave it to you. That's how important it was. You got part of my daughter.
0: Yeah, and that's something that... I will remember forever, and, and you know that's something that's amazing in what you were doing. So that, that – if you can't grasp anyone listening or hearing that, you can't grasp the, the validity of that. I mean, you're just – yeah, I completely understand and sympathize, and I'm honored. You know, and anyone else that you've touched, you know, it's just
1: – Well, you know, it goes on. I, 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 I've got uh, – One of my students, is a, I have permission to use his name, had a massive stroke, has less than 1% chance to live as uh, an actor, musician, director, producer, comedian by the name of Sinbad. Yeah. And uh, on his 65th birthday a couple of months back, he took his first step, and he took 65 steps. Hell yes. And I was there to, you know, with him over the phone to motivate him, and he's... Uh, very dear to me his wife Meredith and his his daughter and his son he's got a grandson and a new grandbaby on the way uh, and uh, you know I've been used you know I'm, I'm a willing vessel and I've been used to touch these people and When people say things like, uh, I was introduced at a function recently as a living legend. I don't know how that happened.
0: Uh, (laughs) I said the exact same thing when I announced (laughs) this podcast. I said, this is a legend, because you are to me. You know what I mean? And you are to so many.
1: I've been so blessed. I've been able to travel around the world. I've consulted HBO, Disney. I've consulted the NFL on traumatic brain injury. I worked with the Pittsburgh Steelers on Closed Head Trauma, Vestibular Rehabilitation. I've worked with, I've toured with the USO. I've worked with Make-A-Wish Foundation, which was a double-edged sword. I mean, I, Jane Fonda called me, and they brought called me into Jane Fonda's Ranch up at Santa Barbara, which is, she bought a mountain and chopped the top of the mountain off and has a beautiful place there with the softball field. And, uh, I think they called it Eagle's Nest. There was these two bald eagles on each side of the mountain, mm-hmm. and they had nests, and they were just flying. They were magnificent. And I got called in to speak. For make a wish, these are terminally ill children. So they called me on Tuesday to go on Saturday. And when I got there Saturday morning, there were 12 children there. Three of the children had died before I got there. So this was in July or August, and there would be no December. There was no right. Christmas. right. And one of the greatest moments of my life, I'll share two, but one of the greatest moments after I spoke to those children and got hugs, I had to walk around the side of the building because I couldn't hold it in anymore. I had snot and tears. And I ran into, literally bumped into a little bitty man, 5'2", maybe 100 pounds, a little Jewish guy, and uh, he said, my name is Dr. And he gave his name. I'm a pediatric oncologist. I've been practicing for 50 years. The man had to be in his 80s. And he, his little bitty hands were so soft, but you could feel more than his hands when he touched you. Yeah. He grabbed my hands. He said, in my 50 years of practice, I've never been able to give a patient what you just gave those children. Well, that, that was all I needed. You need. really I was down then. gone yeah. then. Oh, I'm surprised yeah. I didn't pee on myself. <laughs> I mean, I went down to both of these and just, you know, that kind of, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, you, yeah. you know, you, just, you can't catch your breath. And uh, and and the other thing, when people think of, most people think of me as a martial artist, and I've been doing it for almost 63 years. And I, it's not something I do part-time, it's something I do every day. Uh, before I get to the story, I was supposed to have died Christmas Day, uh, not this past, but the year before. When they told me I may not be coming home, I couldn't get up because I had tubes in every orifice. So I was lying on my back working my hand techniques because if I'm dying, I'm dying out being a martial They're artist. right. Nobody's going to say I couldn't. <laughs> and uh, I've always said if, there's ever, if they ever said there's only one legitimate martial artist on the planet that can live at one time, it's me. Uh, and I'll stand and say that in front of anybody. And uh, so that's how important— that was. And I was called in one time. Now, we're getting into martial arts sciences now, the martial sciences, besides the martial arts techniques. I was called in. I've told you this story, I believe. Uh, African American male was driving an S10 pickup truck doing road construction supervision. He was driving about 10 miles an hour or less, telling his crew what he wanted to do. At 18 wheeler, the, the driver had fallen asleep doing 72 miles an hour. That's what the speedometer was stopped on when the police got there. When they pulled the S-10 out from under the 18-wheeler, it was four feet long. Gosh. And this gentleman was pinned inside, dead. Got him out and resuscitated him. On the way to the chopper died, resuscitated him. On the chopper died twice, resuscitated him. Got him to the hospital, laid him down the on the steel bed died and they said he's gone the nurse comes running out he's breathing again go back in long story short they come in and he comes in with his with his wife and I I don't know if his parents came that day his wife came and two attorneys and they said we hear that you do things that other people can't and I said well I look at things glass half full right and I said, and in fact, I look at the glass 100% full because it may not be full of water, but it's full of something else. So we're going to use all that to make the glass full. For two and a half years, five days a week, four hours a day, I work with this gentleman trying to get him. Because when you're dealing with a quadruplete, he was a complete quad, which means from the cervical spine down, there was no movement. He could move his headset to dictate the chair blowing a straw for speed but what a quad wants what a quadriplegia wants is they want as much normalcy as they can possibly have so when i spoke to him or anybody in a wheelchair i always kneel down below them so they're looking down on me and i'm not looking down on them because the world looks down on
0: exactly that's amazing perspective just to even start off yeah that yeah
1: and um i've shown you what the flexors and extenders have okay so um I know the camera, Scott, probably couldn't pick it up. (laughs) But um, there are flexors and extenders in your hand, in your form.
0: I'll let you, they they can see the camera. I'll let you demonstrate.
1: If he'll relax his hand, what you'll see is when I hit an extender or a flexor, I'm going to hit a flexor on this, you'll see his hand come in. And if I do it this way, it'll roll in. And if I go this way, it comes up. So what I'm teaching him to do bilaterally, which means with both hands, I'm teaching him to now do this. So then I would hit trigger points on the anterior deltoid just above the pectoral region, and this would clasp my hands together. So we got where we could clap. So now we put a cup in there. So now we work on elevation. So now he can drink through a straw. Yeah. So also he can eat a hamburger. Whoa. So he's starting to have a life where he was nothing in his mind. Right. Well, one day his parents are there, DJ, and I've told you this story. So for the listeners, I hope they can grasp this. I had him tilt his chair back and his parents were watching and his oldest son. And I said, I called his wife by name. And I said, lay your chest on his chest. Because they said, you, so you've taught him to eat and drink. We're so thankful. I said, no, that's, that's what you think I've taught him. This is what I've taught him. And she laid her head down, her head, on, her head on his shoulder and her chest on his chest. Because she was a tiny little thing. I said, go through the exercise, and he did. What I had done was I taught him to hold his wife again. Right.
0: <laughs> man, you're going to make me cry again. <laughs> so, no, that's powerful. It really is. Um, the, the first time you told me that story, and you were reading a, a poem about that, too, I just about broke down.
1: <laughs> but it's, um, man, it's— That was the—in my 60, almost 63 years as a martial artist— That's my greatest moment, and I've had many world champions and people I mentioned like Robert Visitation and Andrea Lee, Tony Kelly, all these people, Keith Bass, all these, you know, Charlton Young and and a guy that came up by the name of Johnny Spinks. Johnny was, oh my God. If anybody should, should have never made it, it was Johnny, you know, and he was 20 and you know, over, 20 knockouts. Prison ministry for 28 years led a million people to God. And for those of you that are atheists, please don't turn off. I, I just was making a statement about that. Um, just a remarkable man yeah. out of Dallas, Texas. But um, but saying all those things, you know, helping that man Watching that man hold his wife, and uh, since he's not here, I'll tell you the rest of the story. I, you trust stimulation, uh, for blood flow and things like that. Well, one of the primary areas to get a response is genitalia. Right. So I gave, I didn't show them, but I told them right. what they needed right. to do. Right. And, uh, and I said if things function, then I want you to take advantage of it, and which would I mean you would have to be the female would have to be on top. Right. And um, they called me. No, they came in the next day. He wasn't supposed to come in. They came in. They drove in an hour or two hours just to see me. And I said, well, "What? What? Tell me what happened." She said, "Well, I did what you told me to do, and it works." So or I jumped on that sucker. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "Well, good for you." <laughs> and, I, and I said, "Well, I said I'm not going to ask you how that made you feel." Yeah. Which I said, "But," and, he, and the guy said, "Well, it only lasted." Like a minute and a half, yeah. and she said, "That's forty-five seconds long, and you lasted before the accident." <laughs> <Yeah>, so <laughs> so uh, they able to they were able to oh, laugh. Man. So, um, DJ, if if I've ever given, if I've ever done anything that's helped anybody, you, anybody, I promise you, there's no way I could have given you or them what you all have given me.
0: Well, you know, there needs to be more people like you. (laughs) There really does. You know, um, it's just something that um, I think I've learned that. And I've had this conversation with my wife because she's like, how did you go from being such a dipshit to getting your shit together? (laughs) You know, just in aspects of life altogether. And I'm just like, look, man, I don't know. I just become I try to become more selfless and less selfish. But I think it's just. It's very hard for people, you know, and I'm not, I'm, hell, I'm still selfish a lot for a lot of reasons, you know, a lot of shit's still not perfect, but I feel like that the more, you know, and you mentioned, you know, to anyone who may offend about God, you know, it's not about, at the end of the day, like, I want to keep an open book here because I don't want anyone to be turned off based on someone's belief. It's the bigger message, right? Right. If you do good shit, good shit happens.
1: That's right. And if you That's do
0: bad it. shit, bad shit happens. At the end of the day, any religion will put that on a pedestal. you know no matter what your belief is and it's like the more bad shit you do the more bad shit just keeps piling up but if you can just slowly outweigh the bad with the little good nuggets it eventually starts you know giving back somehow you know and it's never about money or anything else it's it's more about pure energy i think you
1: know it is and and, i mean you're a Living example of that, you could have gone the other way. Hell yeah,
0: I had plenty of opportunities to go the other way. All I needed was one little, just one little nudge, because right. I was on the, the line.
1: Well, there were some things that you said you're going to speak to these guys in prison. In some situations, you just didn't get caught. They did. Of course. That's <laughs> yeah. what. I, that's exactly what I'm saying.
0: There's where I can relate. You know, some situations. Yeah, it's like I didn't get caught, but I've definitely been there. And now what are the reasons that, right, why are you back? You know, why are you, because here's the thing. We're institutionalized. These people are institutionalized, and in, not we, but the the system, to where they don't care what these people what happens to these people, and there's really no there's no amazing system that really rehabilitates someone to get them back into the world and play on their strengths. Like what yeah. you do for someone, you know, I think that's what we're missing. It's just, you know, everyone has something they're good at. I don't give a shit who you You're are. Right. Every one person has something they're good at. Whether it's playing fucking video games, <laughs> or, you know, sure. or shooting a basketball on a hoop. Or uh, painting something, you know. Um, You know, everyone has something, and if we can just figure out how to play on those things and just let those other things wash away, you know, I think that that's the bigger picture.
1: I I agree 100%. And a lot of the times when we do these things, and part of our martial arts training is the yin and yang, you know, and uh, you have to understand when you've done something that you're ashamed of, um, you feel like, you're not worthy of being forgiven and so you walk into a situation where you don't expect people to forgive you Mm -hmm. because you don't forgive yourself so if if you believe in a higher power whatever you call that that higher power has the ability to forgive you beyond you so Unless you're such an extreme narcissistic, grandiose personality, you realize you're not bigger than that other higher power. No. So if if that higher power can forgive you, who are you not to? And and the and mankind that won't forgive you, don't worry about them. No. They're hiding their own junk.
0: I think the biggest, the easiest black and white example of that is you know just going up into like the mountains and looking down or having amazing. Huge structure right beside you at ten thousand feet. That's another ten thousand feet tall, and realizing how insignificant you are. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. there's something so powerful that I felt over the past few years visiting places like that. um That makes you realize that everybody does messed up shit. At the end of the day, you're not perfect. You're never gonna be. But it, you know, if you can just try to focus on doing things better, but. It, at the end of the day, everyone has their own problems, and they're not caught up on what yours are, and you're not that significant. You know what I mean? Like, it's exactly. it's, 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 it's negative but positive. It's like, no one cares. But at the same time, like, you're not that big of a deal, no matter well, if it's good or bad. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Exactly. It, it's That's a weird analogy, but that's just how I think of it, and everyone processes everything differently. But for me, it's just like... So what if I've done bad shit? So what if I do good shit? Well, bad shit never got me anywhere, so let's just focus on the good
1: stuff. Well, I had a lady that you mentioned, the mountain, so it came back to me so vividly. Uh, she came to me just for a women's class I was teaching. And she had just lost her husband of 35, 40 years. You know, you don't know how to function, but no, half your life in that. a life partner. And she went mountain climbing. I mean, mountain, not hill and somehow she had service, and she texted me from the top of a mountain, and she said, I just wanted you to know, because I told her, one day you're going to reach the top of the mountain. One day you're going to reach the top. I was speaking metaphorically. But, <laughs> um, she texted me. She said, I'm on top of the mountain you told me about, both physically and metaphorically. Yeah. And I'm looking down at all the things that seem to be such big problems. Exactly. That's right? what I'm getting at. And yes, I can't yes. even see them. Yes, yes. So exactly. I'm just augmenting what you yes, were
0: saying. Yes, yes. Uh, you say it way better than I do. <laughs> <No. laughs> but yes, no, I completely, that's it. I mean, this is like those things are so insignificant to, to the bigger picture. You know what I mean?
1: Well, And and I hope by listening today that people understand that martial arts is much more than kicking or punching or, right. or aigoshi or ipansianagi or kimura you know it's it's a lifestyle and and if you'll give it a chance and and the, a lot even the the mma guys uh, i wish they would give it a chance to be more than just that i was when you're in, in, in when you're at the ufc and you're in the back you know you're, you're sharing a, a large dressing room with four or five six other fighters and there were coaches in there that are world renowned coaches and i'm not going to mention any names but the technique that was being taught was as bad as I've ever seen. Okay. It was as incorrect as I've ever seen, and and it's because it's just about getting to the point.
0: Exactly. You know, just
1: throw this and then take him down. Or exactly. Just, you know, and I wish they would let martial arts be everything it could be to them.
0: Y- yeah. yeah. Speak to the journey, not the yeah. the end goal. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what about chairs? All that in between, and figure out what makes that flow. And it, that's that's funny you brought it up. There's something that um you were in Tony's corner that last fight, which is just a month ago um by the way tony did a great job in that fight didn't he do good? beautiful um and you told tony in his corner you're like you're the best you're the best in the world you're the best in the world um hearing that it's not you know it's different on that platform but not only that everyone else hearing that you know it's like even joe rogan mentioned it in the post fight commentary he said you know you're your corner was saying, you know, you're the best in the world. And Tony was so hyped up, he didn't really, you know, go into the answering that question. Cause I mean, shit, he just want to find out you know, <laughs> it's hard enough answering to any kind of interview when you're on well, endorphins. Did, I, or, but, but,
1: but he also, when Joe said that, he said, Your corner kept saying, who's the best in the world? And, yeah. he, and he thought Joe was asking him, who's the best in the world? Right. And he said, I'm the best right, in the world. Right, exactly. Or exactly. was asking yeah, him. <laughs> exactly, that's
0: what it was. I, I knew there was a, there, but what I was, yeah, but that, you were saying that, you were, that's, that's what it was, you were asking him. And um, it's like, I don't know. It's just the, the coaching patterns and, you know, what everything's just to the point and, and it's a job. And it's not – it's just beautiful what you guys are doing. You know, it's beautiful. It's you, You're appreciating the entire journey, not just looking for the end goal. Well,
1: I, don't, I don't make anything off of Tony and Andrea uh, financially. So – and there's nothing wrong with people that do. But they – it allows us to have a completely different relationship. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm as you know, Andrew's history, she has some really bad yes, stuff. Yes, of having, course, yeah. And I was there through all of it. Mm-hmm. And so the fights she has now are like eating a cupcake exactly. compared to what she's been through. So she's, uh, she and Tony, I have two fighters, and that's all I'm interested in because they're not just, they're martial arts students to me that happen to fight. Master Song used to always say, you'll fight this. A monkey can fight. You know, that's what he used to always tell me. <laughs> Monkeys can fight. And I'm thinking, yes, sir, they can. But uh, where's your technique? Where's your humility? Where's your honor? Where's your integrity? Where's your appreciation? He used to always say, the one emotion we don't give enough of to one another as human beings is to be appreciative of one another. Mm-hmm. What do you, like to address what you just said, what do you appreciate appreciate about this person? Well, he's overweight, he doesn't bathe, he doesn't brush his teeth, but my Lord, can he play a video game? Yeah. You know what? Let's appreciate that. And if we use that as a catalyst, something then for, we can say, okay, yeah. well, why don't you brush your teeth and I'll come over more often? Yeah. And then we'll teach you about showering and then we'll change clothes and, oh, by the way, I'll get you on a workout program. Yeah. That's the way I address people with addiction that come to me. Empowerment. Yeah. I'll, I'll take them and say, okay, we're not, don't worry about we're not worried about your drug right now. Here's what I'm worried about. I'm, I'm going to teach you how to throw a jab. This is a one. This is a cross. This is a two. This is how you throw a three. And here, here's the weightlifting. Here's the anaerobic. Here's the aerobic. And the next thing you know, that crystal meth doesn't taste the same. Yeah. The thought of it doesn't get you excited anymore. That 1,000th rep on your abs, the excitement now. So if we have to transfer addiction for addiction, I'll take that transfer. And, and I use what... That's what martial arts is. It's, it's you're being a chameleon. Mm-hmm. If I'm dealing... With, I, I, I've worked with a guy that owned multiple car lots, billionaire. I've worked with people who were leaving where I was to go back to... And this is not an exaggeration. Going back to a cardboard box under a bridge. They're treated exactly the same. Yep, Because... This guy just buys better dope than this guy does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. But he's still just as much an addict. Exactly. And and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna turn him away. No, I mean, I, I, so I, that's what being a martial artist is supposed to yeah, be. Yeah,
0: I think that I think that you know your overall outlook on everything is just it's look. This is the first of the year. Everyone's about their new New Year's resolutions and shit. I don't want to talk that much about working out and getting you know. Everything in line and dieting right because we talk about that shit a lot. With I've had multiple people on, you know, just that's their expertise. But it's more about you know getting your mind, your body, and your spirit aligned. And I feel like you're you're the professor at that. You know what I mean? Um, Well, but at the same time, so here's another thing because we we have we've touched on these subjects. You don't drink, you don't do drugs, you you don't you you live a very no smoke. You live a very very healthy lifestyle. And how long have you lived that way? I've never done those things. Exactly. So what I'm getting at is, you know, you just had a near-death experience last year. Do you think your willpower spiritually and then a combination of your body being so sound of never doing those things had something to do with
1: that? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, my, uh, when I went in to see, mine was a urological issue, so I went in to see my urologist last week, um, he ran to me and hugged me, and he said, he said, my God, you're back. You know, because people don't realize when I take my shirt off, When I, you know, what's there. Yeah. You know, and I, you know, um, when I put on a you know, a USC T-shirt, I almost ripped the sleeves out, yeah. you know. And, and it didn't have to be that way. Yeah. You know, because I was, I mean, I was dwindling. I was... I was in the process of dying. I wish my body was shutting down, uh, routinely. I, I knew, you know, I wasn't going to be able to urinate. I, I was going to defecate on myself and I was going to do what I was going to do. And it was not going to be very pleasant. You know, I was hoping they would sedate me, mm-hmm. uh, so that I wouldn't have to endure as a, being a coward, I guess. Yeah. I didn't want to strangle on my, you know, I didn't want to go out asphyxiating, um, but there was something inside of me that said, boy, this is going to sound wrong. No, I wasn't going to say that. Um, I said, you're Carol Baker.
0: You don't play this with anyone. No, I mean, no. I mean, it's you talking yeah. to yourself. Who gives a that's, shit when anyone takes yeah. you? Know, I mean, that's,
1: that's the truth. I got to be me. Yeah. I wouldn't trade that with anybody in the world. Yeah. You think I'm dying? let me show you what happens yeah Let watch and see what happens and all of a sudden my number started coming up and the doctor came in and said did we change anything I said no this isn't you let's make it perfectly clear this isn't you you're practicing what you do I don't have to practice yeah I know what I've done and so I know what the power of prayer is in my life I know what I've been blessed with inside myself Mm -hmm. that I can draw on and um I just said, you know what? Not today, because there was there was a moment that I thought, "What's left for me? I've done everything. I've been around the world. Yeah. I've consulted first families. You know, I mean, White House. I've done, I've military leaders. I've done, I've done this thing. People who are in great power come to me to learn. So, who wants to come to a seventy-year-old papa to learn? Nobody. And so, uh, that's what I thought. Right. And so thought maybe it's time just lay down maybe this would be the easiest time to do it if i died at 85 or 90 or 106 whatever maybe this would be the easiest time and i've really my wife is young enough and attractive enough she can remarry and we've got a beautiful home and we've got all this stuff you know and then i thought where is this coming from i don't quit i don't know how to quit so i just kept fighting and and uh um I'm here now. And then the next thing I know, my phone rings. And uh, Andrea and Tony call me and say, would you consider coming over and working with us? And I said, sure. So I went over and started working with them. So uh, we're through Andrea's camp. So poor Tony had to go through Andrea's camp with her. He died with her. He trained with her. Poor, Anthony, poor Tony. And so we go through her camp. So now he's got to go straight into camp. Mm-hmm. So her ends, hers ends on we get back on... Uh, they get back on Tuesday. Thursday, we're in camp for Tony. And um, he comes to me and says, I want you to take over the camp. I want you, it's your camp. You run it. I'll do what you say. And Tony doesn't do that for anybody.
0: No, it's, I've never seen him do that. And you know, uh, that's just crazy. But so, it's amazing, you know?
1: But we work so well. I know him. Mm-hmm. And I know how to, to address him. I know when it's time for me to shut up and step back, let him have what he's got to have, and then undergird him and lift him up. And the thing about, and, and when you're in sales, uh, you, they teach you to sell the sizzle, don't worry about the steak. Right. It's what I've heard. <laughs> and so with Tony, no matter what your sizzle is, you can't outsell that steak. Yeah. That boy's a real deal. Yeah. If he stays healthy, and if the UFC will give him his just dues, give him the opponents that he wants, in two years he'll have that strap.
0: That's a that's a good point. I think that it's great too what these fighters are doing. Like um, Sean O'Malley, for example, he's picking his fights, but he's not trying like everyone else to go get immediately pick that champion. Right. You know, he's like, well, I know I can. This will be a good matchup for me and a good test. And if they see me beat this opponent, then I know I'll be next in line for this opponent, and then eventually I'll get my shot. And I think that's great that, um, you know, that mentality seems to be working a little bit better because it's like don't – everyone wants to fight the champion. That's the champion's job is to get – Everyone's trying to kill them. That's right. the job. I mean, that's yeah. what you get when you inherit that yeah. title. You get that where everyone's chasing you. Everyone's a p- everyone wants a piece of you. From media to someone trying to take everything out of your pockets to someone trying to take your belt from you, like that's what you get. So, a lot, like jumping, everyone wants a piece of that. Instead of yeah. doing that, pick your battles and, and work up the ladder the correct way and the most efficient way. I think that's a good plan. Well, that's
1: that's the, the purest definition of grooming a fighter. Yeah. he's being groomed, and yeah. they're doing it absolutely right. Um, our manager Dave, who manages uh, Andrew and Tony, is doing the same thing. We're—I mean—is is Sugar Shane on our radar? Yeah. Yeah. Three or four fights down the road. Yeah. Not that Tony couldn't beat him today. I think Tony could beat him today, but that's not in Tony's best interest. Right. We need to—we need to make some noise, and we need to get Tony's stock up a little bit, mm-hmm. and then we get a payday. Yeah. And and, and Dave's doing a wonderful job. But this—he's—he's. He's a strategist, you know. when I do the strategy for the cage, he does the business strategies.
0: And that's what you got to have. You have to yeah. have a well-rounded, yeah. like a well-rounded team, you know. We, everyone, and that's what we have. Everyone playing. And,
1: and we've shrunk our team down to where it's just Professor Wayne Knutson, mm-hmm. myself, and Tony training Andrea, or Professor Knutson, myself, and Andrea. Training, training Tony or Tony training Andrew whatever and and then from there because Tony's I brought in a nutrition plan and to be honest with you Tony's nutrition plan blew mine out of the water
0: I mean I mean, that's just a full on body awareness and that's, yeah, that's he good he is there I mean he yeah.
1: eats Better than any human being I have ever met. In yeah, my he, life. they live in the
0: neighborhood, and he came around the house for Halloween, and I was cooking this hog and all kind of shit. And I was like, I know he had a fight going up. I was like, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna, you know, insult him by offering him any of this food. After he left, I was like, shit, I should have offered just some of this because I was out there cooking because the kids were running around everywhere, yeah. and I, I was like, I better not because well, well,
1: he was he couldn't have been over four percent body yeah. fat at weigh in. And Andrea, uh, people didn't get to see her, but you know, she'll train in. Uh, Muay Thai shorts and uh, sports bra, and she fights at one twenty five. At one thirty eight, she was ripped. Right. I mean, her she had veins coming at her that I wish certain body parts were. Yeah. You know, she had <laughs> yeah. some girth like and yeah. length, and it's like holy moly. <laughs> and she looks. So, I mean, she looked like she was fight ready then, and. Uh, uh, so Tony's, we all bring what we bring to the table. You know, I, I bring technique and the judo, and when Doctor uh, Professor Wayne Knudsen brings judo and jiu-jitsu and the ground stuff. And the beauty of the way we've done this is Andrea and Tony are strikers primarily. But when you have a jiu-jitsu game, a ground game, that's as solid as, they're solid brown belts. Yeah. You get that ground game. It frees you up to strike more fluidly. Yeah, you get to pick your shots. Yeah, because yeah. you want to take me down? Go ahead, yeah, I'll exactly. submit you. Yeah, <laughs> you're right, no I'll
0: submit you or let's stand in this pocket. Because if, you
1: if, if you can last 90 seconds with Professor Knutson, you can last with anybody. Yeah. The man's a wizard. And plus, he's a. he says he's 6'2". Um, maybe it's his hair because he wears his hair kind of spicy. He looks 6'4", six 6'5", six yeah. uh, and just a pure wizard on the ground. But... Uh, so we've got we're well rounded. All we have to do now is we're just sharpening now. And and Andrea's two fights away from a world title. And and
0: I believe that. I, I believe that. And I, I think Tony's right there too. I mean, I think that, you know, it's just he's got to have the fights. But I, I it's like it's very interesting. That's what like we look at um, Oliveira who just like made a ragdoll out of Poirier, and I was just like, gosh, you know, Poirier had him it seemed like the first round, but but what I was getting is Oliver's been in the game since he was 18, you know, right. or 20 or something like that, but a long time, long enough now to where he's he's gotten so good now he's just sharpening those skills and double yeah. down on what he's great, you know, because he's an amazing, but he's been in the he's been in the bullpen with these guys for the past 10 years working on yeah. things that need to be worked on, figuring out what it is yeah. and Earning that right to a championship,
1: and he has a a great coaching staff and and corner, and they did a beautiful job. And and I just didn't—I thought Dustin didn't show up.
0: No, I I felt like he did in the first round, and then at the second, it just trickled down. You know, and and who know? You know, at that at that level, I can't speak to that. I mean, I I almost shit my pants just speaking in a crowd of people, fifty. You know, like, but like, so it's it's another level when you're you get that high at that elite level to fight someone. You have to be there mentally, physically, everything.
1: well, not no. I mean, no disrespect to uh, Dustin's camp at all, but I wish I could train him for a fight. For yeah. that fight, I think what I could do with his with his kicks and his judo would reverse that decision. That,
0: yeah, that dude is still a beast. He's he is a bangers. monster. I remember him coming up and training with us years ago. Yeah, um, and just the dude would
1: gosh. Well, you know, he started out with um, Tim Crater. Yeah. Well, Tim Crater's first instructor was one of my students okay Tim Crater's first instructor was Robert Visitation
0: yeah okay Yeah.
1: and uh uh that speaks to how old I am (laughs) well you are you you first in uh
0: Kyokushin karate as well because I know that that was first
1: in it I I I never saw it rank because there was no one around and because I
0: mentioned that earlier on the podcast I didn't give you your accolades for your for your taekwondo but I knew you were well versed in that too so yeah and
1: and the Shotokan background yeah um you know, it, a front kick's a front kick. You yeah. know, and a round kick's a round kick. It's just how well you execute it and how precise you are, and and the decisions. I, I used to do a demonstration where I would. Uh, uh, there used to be a, one of the original black belts over at Karate Mafia, a guy named uh, Russell Biggs. Oh yeah, uh, remember I Russell?
0: Have, I remember Russell. So I hadn't seen him in years, but oh, he's, he's doing great so kid, well. Great kid. so
1: doing so well. He's a paramedic and or a, I believe
0: so, a firefighter a paramedic, paramedic. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, uh, but I was doing a demonstration. I said, "No, here's a wasp. I want you to watch. When the wasp comes by, I'm going to reach up and I'm going to take only his head off. You'll see a little black dot fall, and you'll see his wings flutter, then you'll see the body fall." So I did what's called a finger flick, and I took, just took the wasp head off, and the wasp flew right in front of him and, just, and fell. I said, "That specificity of technique. That's how you know you're in control. When you can do that, then you got it, you know." And uh, I thought he, his mouth were like, "Holy mackerel!" But when you train properly, I mean really properly, not Mm -hmm. by today's standards, um, it opens so many more doors than just what the technique is you're doing. It it makes you know, like I used to do, everybody would do jump spinning kicks. Well, I did jump spinning kicks blindfolded in broken glass Mm -hmm. to let, let it penetrate my feet. And I would kick a grape off a samurai sword, or I would... Do whatever Master Song would tell me to do, um, just to show that I could do it. Because when I f- realized I could do that, then how hard could it be to get a Ph.D.? I mean, yeah, know, that's nothing. You read <laughs> a book. You know, I didn't. I didn't get my Ph.D. in, in uh, philosophy until I was sixty-five. Okay. And uh, I just wanted to do something to challenge myself. And I knew physically I had hip replacement. I was having hip replacement. I had shoulder replacement. Um, My prostate's the size of Houston. You know, (laughs) so uh, you just, you know, you do what you can do. So I I went from, you go from the physical to the mental to the spiritual aspects of who you are as a martial artist. And um, I've been so blessed, uh, not to be redundant, but to have... You know that Andrea and Tony thought enough of my knowledge to bring me in was a great blessing.
0: That was one. What does the last thing I was going to bring up when you finished talking about that was that, you know, you come right off your deathbed into a new year training two fighters on the largest mixed martial arts platform in the world, and then working on a podcast and writing a book all in the same damn year. So yeah, you're no, not you're not
1: even close to ready to give no, up yet. And, they, and both my fighters won by knockout. Hell yeah, exactly. Uh, and and uh, just talked to Robert Visitation yesterday. You know, and he's uh, I'm still, you know, I'm still claiming to be the most blessed martial arts instructor in the world. I can't claim to be the most successful or as far as wealth or anything like that. But no one can claim more blessings than I've had.
0: Yeah. Well, I think we've got a lot more to talk about, but I think we'll wrap it up on this one. And I'm we'll, so
1: thankful for having me. We'll here,
0: do. I'm, I'm, look, I'm honored and I appreciate it. And um, before we wrap up. There's going to be a lot of local guys listening and watching this that are um, local fighters and, you know, guys from our past and and new guys coming up. You got any messages or anything you want to drop a line to them? Yeah,
1: you know, guys, please, please hold on to your dream. The worst thing is to have a dream and not give it 100%. Say you give it 99.9% and you lose a split decision. You're going to wonder the rest of your life. If I had done that one-tenth of 1% more, if I'd run that extra 100 yards, if I had done that extra crunch, if I'd done one more round on the heavy bag, please don't give up on your dreams. I'm not going to give up on your dreams for you. If you're fighting, I'll come watch. Not that it means anything to you, but I'll be there in any way I can. Please, whether it's fighting or not, whatever, if it's getting an education, if it's being a better dad or being a better son or daughter, a better mommy, be the best you can be and know that you've given your all. That's one thing I can guarantee you. I will not die wondering what I may have been because I know what I did. I know the dues I paid. I still train twice a day. Go out there and take what you want. You young fighters, seek knowledge. Make sure you're with the camp that's qualified there are people out there that claim to be teaching that i don't know why they're teaching and if you want to be a teacher don't be so arrogant that you refuse to go learn from somebody who has true experience if you want to be a teacher go be that go learn there's a student you can't be a teacher until you've been a student yeah so go do that and there's there are a couple of places in town um but for the for the grappling stuff um uh, SMAA is really, really top flight. Uh, the compound is here. I mean, there's several places uh, that you can go, but make sure you get with somebody. What, are, what is their record as a coach? You know, in my kickboxing days, our record was we won 89% of our fights and we won 82% by knockout. Mm-hmm. That's that's the highest anywhere, unless you had one fighter that had one fight and won it. You know? Right. But, um, Get with get with somebody who can reach you on your level. Give it everything you've got. Don't go to bed leaving anything on the mat or in the cage or in the ring. Work out till you puke. I used to have to change clothes three times a day when I was working out because I would be soaking wet with sweat. But if you have a dream, no matter what it is, please follow it. Please educate yourself. Pay the extra dues because the guys that are not paying the dues are going to be the ones sitting on the couch telling their wife, "I could have done that, but I, you know, I gained sixty pounds." Yeah. Don't be that guy. That's that's part of what's wrong with America. Come on, guys, we're the greatest nation in the world, and the only thing that makes us it is our people. Let's be the best people on the planet.
0: You heard it. I couldn't say it any better. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. I appreciate you. It's my blessing. I Yes, sir. All right, everyone.